after Sunday after Sunday. They hear a preacher preach about these promises. They hear a preacher talk about all these wonderful things that God wants to do for us, but yet none of those things ever happen in their life. I don't believe that God designed us to live that way. I believe that God designed us to learn about his promises, to understand what those promises are for us, to go after those promises so that he can get the joy of seeing us live in those promises. That's what I believe about the promises of God. And so as a result, we have to learn to cooperate with God in order to make that happen. Then one of the things we said after we got to that point was that if we want to see the manifestations of God's promises, then the Bible says we must do what? We must trust God and what? Believe him. It's amazing that a lot of us will trust and believe God for salvation, for something that's going to happen after we die and leave this earth, but we don't trust God for the things while we're here. And one of the things I think we have to get our mind around is this idea that if I can trust a God I've never seen to go to a heaven I've never seen, I can surely trust God for a job. I can surely trust God to heal my body. I can surely trust God to save my children. I can surely trust God to get rid of my bad attitude. If I can trust and believe that everything I'm going to do in my life is going to be based on the fact that one day when I stop breathing on this earth, I'm going to transition to a place where I'm going to live forever. I'm going to get a new body. And it's all because that God allowed some virgin to give birth to a man who, didn't, who lived on this earth, didn't sin, die for, my, die for my sins. So if you can believe all of that, Amen? And I don't know about you, but I believe it. But if you can believe all of that, how can you not believe that God wants you to have a good life here? And so it's important for us to get our mind wrapped around that, that we're not serving some sadistic God who's got a great life for us later on, but wants us to live like hell while we're on earth. Amen? Amen. And so we said that there are going to be countless situations that will try and get us to doubt God and the promises he's made to us. Listen, when God makes you a promise, the moment he makes that promise, and the moment you believe it, trust and believe that the devil is going to do everything he can to get you to back off of that promise. He'll use people who are close to you. He'll use situations that you get involved in. He'll use what, whatever is in your heart that has the potential to drive you away, that's what he'll use. And that is why the Bible tells us and the Bible says to us that we have to make sure that we're not drawn away by the lust of our own flesh. That's why you have to make sure that what's, you have, to, you have to know yourself. See, there are some things that may tempt me that would never tempt Valdez. There are some things that may tempt me that Chris would never have a problem with. There may be some things that would get me in trouble that Rick would never have an issue with. The issue is you have to know you. Because if you don't know, because the devil's not going to use what entices me to get you to go the wrong direction. He's going to use whatever it is on you. And so, you, you know, so you have to be careful and you have to look at your life in totality. You know, this is Father's Day, right? And one of the things that we know that we have a problem with in America, and it doesn't matter what race you talk about, there is this issue with fathers not being present in their children's lives. And then those that are, you, you kind of got this issue where sometimes they're there, but they're there trying to provide and not being there for the kids like they need to be. So you have this small percentage of people who are growing up with the right attitude about what a father is and how a father deals with him. Well, if you're not careful, those are the same issues the devil will use to pull you away from God. Because what he'll say to you is, well, God is just like every other person has been in your life. How do you think God going to come through for you? How do you contract? Can you trust God? And if you got these issues with trust, the devil will play on those issues and he will cause you to walk away from the things of God so that you don't get hurt again. But the Bible says that the gospel never allows a man to be ashamed. 
The Bible says that if you trust and you believe in God, you will never come up ashamed. Amen. And so it's important that we understand that there are going to be situations that are going to come that are going to try to get us off track in terms of believing God. We have to take the opportunity not to take those. Amen. That's the reason why you need good people around you. That's the reason why you need to be open and honest and able to, to share with people when you have certain issues. You may not be able to share with everybody, but you ought to have somebody you can share with. Amen. You ought to have somebody who can say, you know what, I need, you, I need, need to be honest with you. I got an issue in this area. I'm struggling with this. You know, sometimes the best thing that ever happened to me is when I told God I didn't believe him about something. Do you know God can handle your truth? Yeah. Watch this. It ain't like he didn't know in the first place. <laughs> You being honest and you saying, God, I believe you, but I just, I, I, I don't trust you on this one. I, I really don't. I just don't see how it's going to happen. I need you to help me. God ain't, God ain't in a corner crying because you said that. God is able to help you. But, the, but, but if you don't be transparent and honest, then you keep deceiving yourself. Amen? And then we said last week, we said that after we understand this particular point, that we said that Satan knows that doubt counsels out belief. And he shuts down the opportunity for manifestation. So the devil wants you to doubt what God has said. He wants you to have that inkling of a doubt of what if God doesn't come through. Listen, if God makes you a promise, the only reason it doesn't come through is because you stop believing. You think about the promises. You think about the promises that God made to people in the Bible. He told Noah to build an ark. It took him 125 years to build that ark. But you're doing the whole time God's promise that it was going to rain was still holding true. Still holding true. He told Abraham he was going to give him a son. And even when Abraham tried to manufacture to himself the promise of Isaac, that promise still held true. So if God made you a promise when you was 13 and you ain't seen it yet, that promise still holds true. Whatever it is that God has, whatever God has promised you, it still holds true. Watch this. It doesn't even matter if you think you lost the promise. Because if you lost the promise, it wasn't a promise. I can't tell you how many times in my life where God told me he was going to give me something. I thought I was right there on the verge. I thought I was going to have it. And then come to find out it wasn't my, I, I didn't get it. That's not the time to get mad at God. That's the time to say, well, God, I think that, that I didn't take the wrong one. Because whatever God has for you, guess what? It's for you. And then we said, Last night, uh, last week, we talked about when we trust and believe God, that we team up with him. And when we team up with him, he brings to pass all of those manifestations. One of the things we talked about was Genesis 1.26, when we talked about how God gave us authority. God does nothing in the earth without another man. People find that hard to believe. They go, well, he's God. God does nothing in the earth without mankind. It is the reason that when God makes you a promise, that's why he needs you to participate. Think about it. If God made a promise and he didn't need our participation, the moment you were born, you'd be saved. The moment you were born, you'd be saved. Salvation is a promise available to a child who won't be born until next year. But that promise is already available. But that child has to come to the realization that he has to cooperate with God in order for that promise to come to pass. So you can come to church all your life and not participate with God and never be saved. Because coming to church doesn't save you. Your cooperation with how salvation comes is what saves you. It says that you have to believe in your heart and you have to confess with your mouth. When you do those things, you line up in cooperation with God and the promise that was made available 2,000 years ago, now you get to lay hold of. 
The same thing is true to every other promise in your life. Every other promise in your life, the moment you line up with God, it becomes available to you. Amen? One of the things we talked about was that manifestation requires single-mindedness. How I many know you can't be believing God on Monday? Don't believe him on Tuesday. Believe him on Wednesday, not Thursday and Friday and Saturday, but then believe him on Sunday doing confessions. Yes. You can't live a life like that. You have to have a single-mindedness toward the manifestations of God. The thing that God has promised, it's got to become so real to you that the best way I can describe it is just like a woman who's pregnant with a child. It doesn't matter whether she's two months, whether she's four months, six months, or eight months. During that entire time, that baby is growing and developing, but you know what she's saying the whole time? I'm having a baby. I'm, that, that, that's what they say. I'm having a baby. It doesn't matter how far along they are into it. I don't care how long ago God made the promise, you ought to find yourself saying, I'm having that promise. I'm giving birth to that promise. The thing God told me, I'm giving birth to that promise. And it doesn't matter. Listen, it, the fact of the matter is God, the Bible says that you can look at everything in the world, this natural, and find the spiritual aspect of it. So women have, have a gestation period of about nine months, right? But do you know elephants have a gestation period of almost two years? An elephant can't get frustrated because it hasn't gave birth in nine months. So, what, so somebody in this room may give birth to their promise after two months. So it may take somebody else eight months. It may take somebody else a year. It may take somebody else five years. The issue is not the gestation period. The issue is do you get the promise? And the problem is some of us are tadpoles and we give birth real quick. Some of us are elephants and it take a long time. But you can't be looking at a, at a tadpole when you're an elephant. You've got to have a single-mindedness approach to the thing that God told you. There are some things that are so big. Listen, there are some things that are so big in your life, God needs to grow you up first so you can handle them. That's not a cliche. Some of, some of you right now, the very thing you're believing for, if you got it instantaneously today, you don't have the wherewithal to hang on to it. Because some of you haven't, deal, haven't dealt with the thing in you that would destroy you. See, understand, there are certain things that we ask for in our lives that are really just multipliers. Money's a multiplier. If you, ain't got, if, 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 you, if you ain't got a lot of money right now and, and, and you drink, you drink cheap stuff. Because that's all you can afford. That's all you, 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 can't, you can't get no, you can't get no, no, no expensive stuff. I ain't call no names. Y'all think I know. But, 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 if you, but if you got millions today, you wouldn't stop drinking. You just drink more expensive stuff. It's some stuff right now you don't do because you ain't got the money to do it. <laughs> it's not that you don't want to do it. You just broke. You, ain't, you can't afford to do what you want to do. So if you don't deal with that issue, then you actually get the thing that's a multiplier. It just makes you more of what you are. That's why people who give when they don't have a lot can be trusted to give when they have a lot. But I tell people to their face, they'll lie if they say, if I had a million dollars, I'd give. No, you won't, because you don't give a dollar off the 10. <laughs> and if you don't give a dollar off the 10, you ain't going to cut no check for a million dollar off 10 million. You lying. You lying. You're going to be like, well, I'm going to give 250000 because that's a lot. You lying, no? 10% is 10%. 
So whether you'll give a dollar off to 10 or you'll give a million off to 10 million, that's who you are today. That's who you are. It has nothing to do with how much money you have or don't have. It's who you are. So if you're a cheater today and you get more money, you'll just find more ways to cheat. You get quiet up in here. James 1, 6 through 8 tells us we cannot be double-minded. It says, do not weary for a person with, I love this, divided loyalty. A person who has divided loyalty is an unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Verse 7 says, such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And you cannot receive what God has for you with a closed hand. What do I mean by that? I mean that when God gets ready to make you a promise, your hand has to be open to receive. You cannot be a person asking God to receive, but you still got your hand closed around everything you can control. In order for you to be blessed of God, you're going to have to let go of your control. You, Pastor Sean said it earlier. She said, what, what was the definition you gave when you talked about lordship? You said that lordship was, was allowing God to be the head of your life or something like that when you made confessions. Listen, a lot of us want God to be our savior. We want God to save us. We have no interest in God being our Lord. But the Bible says that he is our Lord and Savior. He's our Lord first. You can't skip over Lord just to Savior. You can't just say God saved me. Now once you save me, now I'm in control of my whole life. No, Lordship says that whatever the Lord has said, that's what I align myself up to do. And I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying it's doable. You can, you can get with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will allow you to develop and grow yourself so that now the thing that God asks you to do is not grievous to you. You know, if, you find, if the Lord asks you to do something and you find yourself being grieved by it, the bad thing is not what God asks you to do. It's your flesh. You're the problem. It's, 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 it's like, have you ever asked your kids to do a chore? And they act like they didn't want to do it. And in your mind, you're like, I, I asked you to do one thing. I asked you to sweep the floor. That's all I asked you to do. And in your mind, you'll be thinking, I go to work. I pay the mortgage. I do that. And you name all this other stuff you're doing, right? Because in your mind, you're, you're indignant about the fact that someone would get an attitude about doing the one thing you asked them to do when you've done everything to provide the best life for them. Can you imagine what God must feel like sometimes? And I think what happens is we forget that we are our children. We act the same way toward God. God says, listen, just don't cuss today. Man, Lord, I always talk to me about something I got to do. Listen, if he asks you to do something, it shouldn't be grievous because of everything else he's done for you. The problem is we act like our children a lot of time and we get spoiled and we forget about the fact of everything that he's done for us. And when you get to the place of forgetting about what he's done for you, it's easy to think about what you're having to give up. But none of us ever had to go to Calvary. Never, none of us ever had to shed a single drop of blood to ensure our salvation. So if he asks you to change your attitude and be a little nicer at work, I think we can do that. Amen, somebody. Point number two, it says God's promises work by cooperation. Everyone can do it. Watch this, but not everybody will. Everybody has the ability to cooperate with God. The decision comes down to whether we'll do it because God gave mankind free reign. It would be great if God made all of us just obey. You know how easy that would be? 
That'd be great. We just, you just obey God no matter what. But God gave us free choice. And in giving us free choice, that's really what the demonstration of love is. Do you know when you control somebody, you make them do something, there's really no love in that? The love is that I love you, Valdez, regardless of whether you choose to do right or wrong. That's what love is. Love says I give you free choice. Love says I'm going to give you all the instructions so you can make the right choice. Love says that even when you don't make the right choice and you find yourself in a pit, if you'll cry out to me, I'll come get you out the pit. That's what love is. That's who God is. God is this, God is this being who, who does everything possible to shower his love on us. He is calling us to cooperate with him so that he can shower his promises on our lives. We said three things last week. We said, what does it need? What do we need to cooperate with God? We said that God needs a believer with a physical body who he can work through. Amen. Anybody here got a physical body? Amen. We working on what they look like, but we all got one. Amen. 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 You have a physical body. And as a result of having a physical body, that means you qualify for the promises of God. We also said that God needs someone who knows and believes his promises. I said to someone the other day, I said, it's great to hear preachers preach, but it ain't nothing like reading something for yourself. It's great to hear about promises, but there's no substitution for studying something for yourself. There's no substitution for having God, not Edward, not Sean, having God speak to you about what he wants to do for you. That is the most powerful transition you will ever make in your life is when you go from hearing the promise from what the pastor said to hearing the promise from God himself. Because when God makes you a promise, it's undeniable that it's going to come to pass. Amen. Then we said last that we said he, we need someone to enforce those promises by releasing their faith. And that's what we started. That's what we ended last week. So I want to give you these seven things and then we're going to go seven ways that you can release your faith. I have found these to work in my own personal life. Number one is highly critical. Number one says. Well, we we'll talk about God's promises being spiritual laws. There we go. Number one. Faith is released. When you pray the solution instead of the problem. If you don't learn anything else today, you got to get this. Praying your problem produces nothing. You cannot pray your problem. Pastor Edwin, what do you mean? You are sick in your body. You're not feeling well. You go to the doctor. The doctor gives you a bad report. You hear the report. You, you respect the medical experts, okay? What you don't do is go home and pray what they told you. You don't go home and say, Lord, the doctor said I got stage one cancer. They said the kind that I have is almost the kind that they can't do nothing with. Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. Lord, I, I got to help you. I'm so scared, Lord. This cancer is just, it's just it's, it's, I don't know what to do. Lord, help me, please, Jesus. That is not praying your problem. That is praying your problem, not your solution. Well, pastor, what is praying the solution? The solution is you say, Father God, I thank you that you allowed me to go to the doctor and hear the wisdom that they have. But what I know is that your word says that by your stripes I am healed. So, Father, right now I put all of my trust on you. I declare and I receive right now the manifested healing in my body. I speak to every cell in my body. I speak to every organ, every tissue, every muscle. And I declare that you are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God, who heals. And by God, I'm healed today. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, but I just felt something get better just right there. 
That's how you pray the that's how you pray the solution. You don't deal in all that negative stuff. Listen, doctors are good, but that's why they say they're practicing. They don't know everything. They don't. They don't know everything. They're great. We need them, but they don't know everything. And God makes you a promise that healing is available, and you have to learn how to hold on to that. And I don't care how many times you go to the doctor. I don't care how many times they give you a negative report. You don't change praying the, problem, praying the solution, Amen. not the problem. Amen. Amen. So if you're going to release your faith, you got to learn how to pray right. Number two, faith is released when you thank God before the solution is manifested. When I was praying, did you see how I ended my prayer? I ended my prayer by saying, God, I thank you that it's done right now in Jesus' name. People tend to wait to see whether or not their manifestation is going to show up before they thank God for it. You can't do that. You can't, you can't, you can't. How do I, how do I know that people are in, in, are in expectation when they're getting ready to have a baby? Because people throw in baby showers. They prepare a nursery. They go and they register. They pick out names. They pick out clothes. They pick out colors. They pick out nicknames for the baby even get here. They do all this stuff in preparation. Why? Because they're thanking, they're being thankful in advance for what's about to come. Listen, your thanksgiving is your bridge to your manifestation. Your thanksgiving is what gets you over all those troubled waters. If you don't be used thanksgiving, then you got to go through the water. But you can begin to use thanksgiving as a way to bridge you to your promise. And so that means that I, I, I think the Bible says that when we pray, we must believe we receive when. When? When? when, we pray. when, when, we pray. when not when we receive. That's right. It says we don't wait till God does the thing and then we say, oh, Lord, I think. You know the worst thing that believers can say when God does something for us? I can't believe it. <laughs> but how many times do we, we ask God to do something? And have to go, you, you ain't going to believe this. Right. Well, why wouldn't we believe it? You prayed for it. The issue is, is that in reality, it happened for us, but we couldn't replicate it. That's the thing that gets a lot of believers. Things happen in their life. They really had no faith. It just happened, and now they can't replicate it. But I'm telling you, when you learn to release your faith, you can replicate some stuff. How many of you know that replication is good? You had a favorite dish, you cook that favorite dish, your spouse liked that favorite dish, your friends like that favorite dish. How many know the next time they come and you cook that dish, the expectation is it's going to taste like it did last time? What they don't want is for you to cook the favorite dish that happens to taste like spinach something, and then the next time it's a banana pudding. No, 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 no. We don't want, we, no, 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 no. We want you to be able to replicate that recipe every time. Uh, ain't that right? Right, right? Listen, Kathleen does some great banana pudding. Yes, uh, yes she does. She make, but the reason that every time we have an event, we ask her, are you doing your banana pudding? Because we want it to taste like the other times. Now, she starts showing up, and it's like good one time and bad the next, and okay next. We'll just be like, oh, just come and enjoy <laughs> Because you want consistency. Because <laughs> you want consistency. That's why you got to learn to release your faith so that you can get those things to happen on a consistent basis and you don't think God is flaky. Right. God's not flaky. You just, it's just, it just happened for you last time because it happened. Right. 
But you got to learn how to release your faith so that no matter what the situation is, you can produce that. Amen. Number three, we said faith is released when you stand firm, believing that the God who created us and sent his son to save us is the same God. I like this last sentence who wants the very best for us. God sent Jesus. I keep telling people that all the time. The most precious gift known to mankind was Jesus Christ. He gave you his best gift first. You you understand that there's nothing you can ask for on this earth that that, that compares to what he already gave you? So that if you get that in your mind, the idea of if I've already given you the very best thing I could ever give you and you ask me for something, why wouldn't I give it to you? It's less than what I've already given you. You know, sometimes people become your friends and they ask you for, for, for a little something first. And then after y'all been friends a little longer, they ask you for something a little bigger. And then they, they, would, and they, they always are working themselves up to ask you for something more and more and more. That, that's how mankind does. Jesus, God started with the best. He, he started with Jesus. Now, everything you ask for falls underneath that. And so that's why he says, if I have if if I did not withhold Jesus from you, then how much more would I freely give you all things? And so when that when that becomes your mindset, you never even approach God with this idea of I wonder if I should be asking for this because it's so big. It ain't bigger than Jesus. And he gave you that before you ask. He gave you Jesus before you ever ask. And so whatever you ask for, it's going to always be smaller than what he's already given you. So then we shouldn't have any fear about asking God for anything. Amen. Amen. Number four, we said faith is released when you don't give up, no matter how bad the situation looks. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor, faith Faith never quits. That's right. Faith never quits. Faith doesn't quit. How do I release my faith? By when I could give up, I don't. When, 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 I, when, I, when I could throw in the towel, I don't. You're, you're, releasing, you're releasing godly faith when you make the decision that it would be easier to quit, but God said. I could throw in the towel. I could move. I could do this. I could do that. I could sell this. I could eat this. I could not eat that. I could do whatever the case may be, but God said. And when you decide that it's more important to keep going on what God said rather than the pain that may temporarily be associated with what you're going through, that's how you release faith. Yeah. Anybody in here ever had an IV? Yeah. You know, when I give you an IV, that IV drips, right? The whole reason that that IV drips is so they don't give you everything at one time. What it does is it sustains you. Every time you choose to trust God, there's a drip of faith that infuses you. Every time you refuse to bow down to what the devil has said and you keep trusting God is another drip. That's the reason you can't give up doing tough times. Tough times determine who you're going to be in the end. Tough times determine who you're going to be at the end of everything. The part of the reason that we go through tough times, I know we don't like to, to think about this, but part of the reason we go through tough times is because it gives God an opportunity to have a greater testimony in the people who are connected with you. Now, did God take you through that? Absolutely not. But you live in a world where there is sin. You live in a world where the devil is the prince of this air. You live in a world where his job is to stop you. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. You, have you have an enemy. enemy. 
And if you learn to fight that enemy, you'll be surprised at the number of people you will encourage along the way. Do you know nobody's impressed with Michael Jordan's story just because he won championships? That was good. But you know what everybody always talk about? How hard Jordan worked. Even people who like Kobe Bryant. <laughs> I'm not being that way. They talk about <laughs> they talk about his hard work. They talk about his work ethic. And because he worked so hard, that's what people talk about. So his testimony is not just that he was a great player, it was about how he went through the process. See, your job is not just to be this Christian who gets blessed with everything. It's about did you go through that process? What did you learn along the way? What character did it build in you along the way? What, did it, what, what principles did you, do you now live by that you wouldn't have lived by if you hadn't gone through it? It's important you understand that there are people who are praying to be out of debt, but if you don't take care of your spending habits, God can get you out of debt tomorrow, and in three weeks you'll be back in just as much debt. And it's funny because people go, oh, I would never do that. But this, there's research that says people win millions of dollars in the lottery and in five years, they're broke. How you win $16 million and you broke in five years? Because you were broken your heart when you got it. And if you don't fix what's on the inside of you, the only thing that can manifest on the outside is what's on the inside. That's why when we, don't have, when we don't have faith, it's not because that we're tr somehow trying to put our faith in something else. You don't have faith in you. If you don't have faith in you, it won't produce on the outside of you. And the only way to get the promises of God are through faith. Amen? Number five, we said faith is released when you trust wholeheartedly the promises of God. I was writing these down, and I have in my notes at home in 2004, I think it was. Maybe it was 2006 for this one. 2004, 2006, I have it in my, in my notes in my, in my Bible at home where Pastor Sean defined the word decision. She defined the word decision. It was the first time that I had kind of heard the etymology of that word. And when she started talking about decision, she said in essence what it means, and I'm paraphrasing, but it means to make a cut and divide two things. So when you make a decision, you cut something away. So when it comes to number five, you released faith when you cut everything away except for what God has said. You really hadn't made a decision when you have two options. When you got God and your plan B, you really hadn't made a decision. When you got God or these other things, you really hadn't made a decision. You make a decision when you make a cut and separate two things. So number five says, I release my faith by when I hear the word of God, I decide that nothing else I'm going to do except for what God has told me. If Listen, number five is hard for smart people. It is. You know, and we happen to be in northwest Arkansas. We happen to live around a lot of people who matriculated through college, and they got degrees upon degrees. They got professional jobs. They make thousands of decisions a day. And so we got a lot of smart people in this area, and I praise God for smart people. But you got to be careful with this one, because if you're not, your intellect will absolutely cause you to forfeit what God has promised. How do you know that, Pastor? Because God will tell you not to do something, but it will make so much sense on paper. 
and you will do your analysis and you will analyze and you will talk through and synthesize and you will come up with all of these reasons why it should work out this particular way. You will do your cross checks to make sure that any imbalances now line up. You will make sure that you've already covered for anything that could go wrong and you will have this perfect plan but it ain't nothing about what God says. But because it makes so much sense I mean, you got every I dotted, you got every T crossed, but I don't care how smart you are, you can't see around the corner. You can't see around the corner. You only can project. God can see. And because God can see what's coming around the corner, he may tell you to do something or go a particular way that seems counterintuitive to what your intellect says. But if you make a decision, you'll forget about your intellect. Because your only option be what God said. It's amazing the number of people who, and, and you can talk to people who are not even considered to be, you know, what we call super saints, right? They ain't even super saints. They just, sometimes they ain't, sometimes they saints. But even then, people will tell you, you know, I heard something tell me not to do that. And I did it anyway. Because your intellect takes over when God's trying to speak to you. And you have to learn to recognize that voice. And if you learn to recognize that voice, it'll keep you on the path. In the Old Testament, when they, when they were traveling um, to the promised land, the Bible says they had a pillar of fire and a cloud that directed them. Well, we don't have to, be, we don't have to follow those things. We can follow the leading in the voice of God now because we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Amen? Last two, faith. Faith is released by believing what you don't see. You can't see it real good, but it says no sense realm knowledge. We were just talking about that. I got I to trust God enough that even when I can't see it, I believe it. So many times people have got in trouble by living by just their sense realm knowledge. Sense realm knowledge gets you in trouble when your emotions get involved. Got to be like, mm-mm, he ain't the one. But since Ram knowledge, I'd be like, but he got the arms and that chest and he cute. Since Ram knowledge tells people, and I talk, I talk especially to the women who, who, who I talk to in my life. Listen, you cannot change a man. No, no, listen, listen, listen. The best you can hope for is a modification of behavior sometime. But you can't change a man. He is only going to change if the Lord changes him. So because, so, so I hear people, and, 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 and again, it's sense realm knowledge. Sense realm knowledge says, if he ain't bought you nothing to eat while y'all was dating, how you think you're going to get his money when y'all get married? Now, 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 since Ram Knowledge says, oh, but when he married me, he'll give me his money. What makes you think that? When he was working the hardest to get you, he didn't give you no McDonald's. I'm still talking about cooperating with God. Y'all date, and y'all go somewhere. He get his bags, 
and go in the house and you don't, and you got to get your own. What makes you think he's going to open the door for you when you get married? Since real knowledge says, oh, he just, well, when we get married, he going to change. No, he ain't. Not unless the Holy Spirit touches his heart. He not. That joke is going to be the same. We all have been the same. But sense realm knowledge will tell you. See, sense realm knowledge will say this. Well, it's cool. She don't cook. When we get married, she going to cook every night. <laughs> so, so you're going to say I do, and all of a sudden she going to know how to do all that stuff your grandma did? <laughs> sense realm knowledge will get you in trouble because sense realm knowledge will talk to you and convince you of what it wants as opposed to what is reality. And here's what reality is. Reality is what God has said. And so it's important that you understand that if you're going to release your faith, you got to believe in what you don't see. See, I was the, I, when, past, when the Lord told Pastor Sean to accept my invitation to marriage, she, right, see, I know he did. I know he told me to ask you. <laughs> because when she said yes, she understood who I was. She wasn't fooled. She understood. And this, and, and this, and this is how she used to phrase it, if I can say it this way. She said, I was 85% good and 15% dog. And over the years, I tried to decrease my 15%. <laughs> Y'all laugh. I'm saying I tried to decrease it. And every so often I ask, you know, kind of where am I? On, 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 where, where I'm at? <laughs> did I slide back or did I, you know? But there was there was there was no grandiose idea that I was somehow not romantic when we were dating, and all of a sudden now I'm gonna be throwing rose petals at her feet when she walked. That wasn't me. So you gotta get to the place where you're able to say, you know what? I'm not gonna let my mind talk me in or out of something that God hasn't said. Now, if God tell you, now, if God tell you, that's your husband, he ain't romantic now, I'm going to touch his heart, he's going to be real, then that's fine, you believe that. But you better make sure God said it. And if you believe it, have faith even when he ain't doing it. <laughs> no, that's what faith, let me go back, number, number one, one. Faith is released when you pray the solution. Faith is released when you thank God before the solution is manifested. Number two. So if you say that that's your, if you say that God gave you him, you got to believe him till he become him. But that's why you got to hear from God. Amen? Amen. Number seven. Let's finish this up for the day. Faith is released when you replace wishing and hoping with knowing that all of God's promises are what? Yes and amen. Pastor Sean said that during confessions. What does it mean when it says yes and amen? It means that every promise God has made available to you, and you say, God, can I have it? The answer is what? Yes. And what does amen mean? It is so. So every, you, don't, you don't have to continue to ask God for the things he's promised you. You ought to spend your time in thanksgiving. Spend your time thanking God. God, I thank you. The thing you have promised me is being done in my life right now in the name of Jesus. I already receive it, and I believe for the manifestation of it quickly in Jesus' name. And that's the kind of lifestyle you have to live. Ain't nothing wrong with going to church and having somebody preach really good to you and get you hype, and they got an organ going, and they got great vocals, and they're a great orator. But what you going to do when you leave? What you going to do? 
Are you going to just feel good until Sunday night and the game come on and your team lose? Now you mad and now you rest your week messed up? Or are you going to live your life based on the fact that you know what? Every day I'm looking for an opportunity how I can release my faith. Because releasing my faith is the key. It is the key to my manifestation. It's the key to my promise. And if I learn how to release my faith, there is no devil in hell that can stop me from receiving what God has promised. And if you believe that, then you ought to give God some praise this morning. Amen. Listen, we want to bless you for coming out. Pastor, you can come on. We want to bless you for coming.